Hello and welcome to the Matching Mom Jeans podcast. I'm Shelby. I'm Nicole and it's nice to see you. I'm so sorry we have delayed recording twice this week because I had strep throat. <laughs> At least your voice works now. I know. It's better was- than you being Oscar the Grouch on I the know. podcast. Uh, my son was not a fan. Uh, he was also, neither of them were happy about me wearing a mask. But so far, if we make it to tomorrow morning, nobody else in my house has gotten it. Like, I was so oh, careful. She just jinxes it right there. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. This is a, um, it's the opposite of jinxing it. It's manifesting it. Manifesting. No one in my house is sick. Supposedly. I heard someone say the other day that they still hadn't got COVID. Oh, and I was like, oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, you just basically licked a doorknob. You licked every doorknob in the town in yeah, that no. moment. <laughs> Why would you say that? No, no, that's very different. <laughs> that's very different. At this because- point, you have to lie and say that you got COVID just so that COVID doesn't come for you. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't. Don't put any don't put any flags up. Just just that's like saying, "Yay, the zombies never found my house." <laughs> oh, bom, bom, bom. Yeah, no. So, um, well, knock uh, knock on wood, but I really am proud about the efforts, the Herculean efforts that we have gone to this week to keep um, children who do lick doorknobs clean. I have actually lysoled the um, uh, doorknobs about four times a day. <laughs> So they're really just like I need to lice all my doorknobs. (laughs) They're just really. Oh, and I really have from um, two states away. (laughs) I have really no joke, um, really just capitalized on the fact that um, if I use we have this like aerosolized spray hand sanitizer, just like the sunscreen ones. Um, And I got them very excited about put your hands out and I'll spray them and then you can rub your hands together and like we made a dance out of it. Oh, yeah. Nice. We're doing that. They're now asking to wash their hands. My daughter always asks to wash her hands. Every time she sees any sort of sink, she goes, hand, hand, hand. (laughs) Because it's basically a water table to her. She loves it. She loves it very much. She also doesn't appreciate non-foamy soap. Yeah, it's not so, as much fun. If anyone would like to help us monetize the podcast for the sake of the <laughs> foamy soap budget that is needed in my house, I am running out of raspberry and foamy soap money. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to start playing ads. <laughs> the most, the most expensive, uh, the most expensive part of owning children is bubbles and fruit. <laughs> The bubbles also just go so fast. Yeah, yeah, they really do. Or as my daughter says, so fast. (laughs) So fast. Um, Yeah, no, actually, no joke. Um, We have been, like, really loving the water and the splashing and the everything. And then uh, my two-year-old's eczema has flared up because of water. (laughs) And I was like, oh, buddy, the thing you love has bitten you. (laughs) Summer, summer is not for everyone. <laughs> everyone is for summer. Summer is not for everyone. Exactly. Eczema people, we're so sorry that summer yeah. is mean to you. And winter's mean to eczema. Eczema just sucks. It really does. The doctor called in steroids and I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> like a steroid cream to like help with this one also we had to like buzz his hair really short it's very cute it wasn't what i wanted but we had to buzz his hair really short because of the eczema and the whole deal and i was really sad because he doesn't look like a little though i know but i really liked his albert einstein feral looking hair that stuck up everywhere i love i love (laughs) when tiny children have grown-up hair yeah, I mean, like, don't don't put a Karen haircut on your you know three year old little girl or anything. But I love it, yeah. especially when like like when little boys have the the cute little like shaved top and then the like floopy. I mean, that's I what it is basically. This. Yeah, it's like it's the sides are real short and then the part is a little thicker than normal. Yeah, and then that's it's what got it like is. the nice swoosh. Like that's so cute. So yeah, cute! Then put a little polo and some khakis on that little baby, and you got <laughs> set. You are set. Family yeah. photos will never be the same. 
I know. And it really is really um, cool for summer, which is nice. Like, he's not sweating as much. So I appreciate that. Like, he used to take off his bike helmet and just, like, look like he'd had a shower. So, like, I appreciate it. I appreciate that he's not dying as much as he was in the heat. Um, Oh, my gosh. The heat. We have something else to talk about today. But first, um, I'm a summer I'm a summer gal, okay? If it's 85 degrees, I'm thriving. I love the heat. That is just who I am as a person. I I like sunshine. I like heat. I love to have, you know, an icy cold drink in my hand. It's good. The only summer I didn't just thrive was the summer I was pregnant. And even then, I still spent time outside for very long periods of time. My 17-month-old daughter doesn't get out of the car anymore without like bribery because she just goes hot <laughs> hot hot <laughs> and it's I like i know it's hot we're at the grocery store we're going inside they have air conditioning in there it will be okay and it is like no nope. no hot and i'm like <laughs> okay we still have to go inside it's like do you want, do you want me to run fast we can run fast <laughs> Exactly. Booking it across the grocery store parking lot so that she's not screaming (laughs) hot at everyone. Yeah. Well, hates it. Hates the heat. She's a redhead too, so she's got some extra reasons to hate the sun. Like she, she gets like cherry tomato colored. I know. Within like five seconds of being outside, it's like I think she needs. (laughs) I think she may need to figure out how to sweat because otherwise she's going to explode. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Well, so it's interesting because I was listening to another podcast that I really like, um, Ladies and Tangents, which is not family friendly, people. <laughs> Don't podcast listen to it with your children. Inception, a podcast, podcast. in a podcast. Yeah. And they were talking about like, I don't know if this was last week or a week before or whatever, but they were talking about like finding your why and how it's helped with their mental health and um, their professional goals and how your why changes over the years. And I, it was a really interesting thing. And I wanted to kind of like put it in. like, like Like being mindful about why you're living your life or why you're making your decisions kind of why? Kind of. It kind of goes back to the conversation, at least the way I think of it, kind of goes back to like what fills your cup. But I think there's a, you know, there's a overarching concept of like what guides you, like what makes the end of the day worth it. Um, So like for me, I was really thinking about this while I was listening to the podcast. And that was why I wanted to have this conversation is like, for me, my why is... I don't care if people think that I'm a good mom. I do, however, care greatly about raising good humans. And so, like, it doesn't, like, you could walk up and tell me, hey, you're a great mom every single day. And it would kind of roll off me. Like, I would appreciate it. But it, it, it doesn't hold any weight compared to when somebody says, wow your child is being really well behaved or your child is really engaging with friends or your child is a good friend to their friends. You know, um, I really, I want to raise good humans. I want them to have the skills to exist happily in their lives. So it's kind of like, like if I had to like lay out two things, like I want to raise good humans, but not in the like weird, you know, oh, they have to be perfect or you know, good in the not way necessarily that kind of- successful financially or yes. like that would be and great. We'll, and we've placed like a morality on good. That's not what I mean. I mean like functioning highly, happy in their lives, glad they're here, humans. Um, like I don't want my children to be miserable. Like that is, I want them to have the skills. I want them to have like one of the hardest periods of my life was when my stepson, well, and Rory, um, you know, they were both having adjustment issues for different things throughout the pandemic. And that was one of the hardest parts of the pandemic for me was watching my children be impacted by it and be kind of miserable and not knowing what kind of skills any of us needed to have to get through it. And so I couldn't really teach them the skills that they needed to get through it. And I think there are probably a lot of parents who felt that way. But, you know, I wouldn't say that 
you know, if somebody doesn't walk up to me every single day and compliment my children that I'm not happy. It's more about internally, like intrinsically what helps you get up the next day and do it all over again. Um, Mm, And for me, for me, it's about kind of the skills. It's kind of about like, you know, seeing your child start to have a meltdown, my child start to have a meltdown and then be able to calm and, and respond to me calming and things like that. So your why for why you are home this week, why you are mediating sibling fights and stuff is you want, you want your children to be able to cope. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I want them, I want them to not have it easy in the world, but to not be the hard thing in their lives. Like I've seen and worked with Hmm. children and teens for so long and like not victim blaming in any way, but sometimes they are the hardest part of their own lives. Like not being able to cope or having made difficult choices that have backed them into a corner or, you know, things like that. Like I want my children to have the skills to cope and, and walk through life no matter what it's throwing at them. Does that make okay, sense? Okay. See, yeah. Emotionally capable coping, those, those goals. So, so what I'm kind of hearing is that like, maybe we all have huge overarching whys. Yes. Yeah. You know, and especially if you dig into like religion or anything like that, like there's big, huge whys out there, but yeah, then like the, why am I, why am I interested in this? Why do I not want my child to throw their food on the floor? Why do I not? You know, like why, why are, why, 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 why? Like there can be lots of different levels. levels. And, and I think, I think for la- like categories, you know, like professionally, my why is different because professionally I don't work with children anymore. I work with parents and I want parents to have the skills to help their children. And I want parents to find their own whys. Um, but I also think, you know, I was I was just listening to, um, you know, the the two women on that podcast on Ladies and Tangents, and they were talking about all of the different ways. And I don't know if they said this or if then I later read it when I was researching, but I, there was this really great line that was, um, it's much easier to find your why when you get to um, the end of the day and you feel incredibly frustrated. And you, you start thinking backwards of what went wrong. And I was thinking about a conversation that you and I had where nothing was really wrong in your interactions with your daughter, but she wasn't using the communication that you know she has the skills of. Mm-hmm. And so you weren't mad at her at all. You weren't even really frustrated with her. I think you were- I remember this day and I felt like a failure. Exactly. Like, I think you were hurt on her behalf. Like, I have failed my daughter because she's well, not able to, to, like, you know, transition this. And and I think every parent has had that moment where it's like, I know you have this skill. I also know that something's keeping you from using this skill. And that's making me feel like I'm not doing what I need to or that's making me have mom guilt, or those types of things. Well, I think that I think that different seasons of life and maybe even different seasons of parenting don't know haven't got that far yet. Um, but maybe different <laughs> seasons of parenting Stage are going to have different whys. Oh, and yeah. like if we're talking about this example specifically, I can explain in the terms of my why. I can explain exactly why that day was so frustrating. How many times are we going to say the word why this episode? I feel like it's going to be long. Um, I don't know. But, Does anyone want to make it a drinking so, game? <laughs> Oh, not while children are present. Um, <laughs> in that case, get some M- get some M and M's, and every time we say why, just just throw those M and M's back. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, but it's gonna be a lot. So, as we know, I am a licensed environmental engineer who has a job that she loves, 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 and I am currently cosplaying as a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> cosplaying. I have taken I've taken a year off of unpaid leave to be home with my daughter. And when we when we talk about these like these whys of why I did that, um my daughter was not thriving in daycare. And there were there were some compounding issues um with like the the care that she was in herself and the um 
the pressures on my own job because I had so much going on. So it it was a complicated issue. But the reason why I said that we were only taking I was only taking a year off as opposed to just like, no, I can't do this. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay home. This is, this is where my heart's desire is. My heart's desire will always be with her. But I had never planned on being home for any long expended period of time. And I, I wasn't even sure I really wanted to. And I have enjoyed the time, but I have also enjoyed knowing that the time has an end. Um, and that yeah, I can go back to work. That's super valid. As somebody who has been attempting to ease back into the business world with no end in sight. <laughs> right? Because so when we made these decisions, one thing that my husband was very specific about, which I guess we would call defining my why, he was like, well, if we're going to make these decisions and it's going to be six months or a year or a year and a half or two years, we need to figure out like what makes the most sense. And I remember telling him, that if I was going to take this time off, I wanted to take this newly crawling, helpless, little sweet tiny baby who was miserable at yeah. daycare. I and I wanted to pictures. spend this. I mean, every day they sent me multiple pictures of her just crying her eyes out all I day, know. every day. And then she I would pick looked- her up and she hadn't drank a single bottle and she hadn't slept for a minute and she was eight months old. We were miserable. Yeah, it was really bad. And I just remember then, thinking, like, is it really going to look like this in a year? Like, when she is 20 months old, Yeah, is this really going to look like this? And the thing is, is I had this just whole discussion about how this year of her life is very different than year five to six of her life or yeah. nine to ten of her life in terms of two very, very, very specific things. Communication and mobility. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to give her one, the space and time that she needed to learn communication and mobility skills and also spend time with her knowing that teaching her that she can ask for things. She yeah. can either get it herself or she can ask. And and we have worked so hard on that and I'm so proud that we are going into summer with a highly mobile, highly motivated, and honestly, quite highly vocal child. Yeah. Like she will tell you when she's hungry. She knows the sign and the word for eat. She mm. knows dinner. She knows lunch. She yeah. will communicate if she's tired. The cutest thing in the world is that now whenever she yawns, she goes, I'm tired. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I mean, I understand that like, when she eventually goes back to daycare, obviously she's going to have a schedule. She's not going to be, they're not going to be like, okay, you're tired. Like, let's put you to bed. Let's drop everything and put you to bed right now. But she will be able to communicate that. And someone hopefully will be able to look at her and say, you're tired. Nap time is just after lunch. We're going to eat our lunch and then do nap or communicate with her and her just not be there crying like she was. Cause I'm sure it wasn't fun for the daycare instructors either. Or even just know, like like you said, like even just be able to notate, okay, I'm seeing this young child having meltdown after meltdown after meltdown. Oh, she said earlier in the day that she was really tired. I'm going to communicate with mom and see if something happened last night. Or maybe mom can be on guard. Right. Of like, well, maybe she's getting a tooth or maybe she's having a hard time. You know, maybe she's getting sick. You know, there's more data. Can we adjust is her bedtime and get her more sleep or whatever. Like for her to be able to communicate, that was that was the whole reason. Like if I had to say one why, that was the whole reason why I took a year off work was because I did not want her helpless. I did not want the people taking care of her helpless. I did not want it to be the only person in the world who can tell the difference between this cry or that cry is me. Yeah. You know? And I honestly, like a lot of people don't have the privilege and the flexibility that I did. And they just have to go through that transition. And the daycare teachers have to learn how to read their child or their child has to learn to read the room and crying is not going to help them kind of thing. And in some ways I feel like that's just an example of how um, strong willed my child is um, because she, (laughs) she went like almost three months and she never figured it out and they never figured it out. And 
they were she, not speaking uh, the same language. She's a, a mountain shaker is what she is. <laughs> she, will, she was going to scream at the mountain until it did what she wanted it to do. Yeah, she's a um, she's not necessarily a um, I'll just go around the mountain kind of girl. She's a uh, my daddy and my mommy are engineers. So you either build me a tunnel through this or I'm just going to knock it down. <laughs> well, and it was just like it's heartbreaking it, it because really I know was. other I and I and we ha- I had friends whose kids went to daycare at the same time, and the first few weeks we were all in the oh my gosh this is never going to be okay kind of phase that all ki- all parents go through during daycare, and then their children adjusted. Yeah, and well, mine and did again, not. And then again, like different people have different whys. Like for me. One of my major whys that I'm at home right now is financial. Like I cannot afford, I mean, like my career is less paying than daycare is. And so like my why is literally- Hashtag America. (laughs) Right? I mean, my why is partially financial and then I've been able to build off of that because if I only- if I only talked about like, well, I'm at home with the kids because I can't afford to pay someone else. Like that would be really depressing to myself. Like, and instead digging into the whys of like, okay, my husband asked me way back when he was like, why would we pay for someone else to take care of our children while you go and take care of other people's children? He's like, it feels like we could just cut out the middleman. Yeah, and I mean, and I have the skills but to do that. But if that Again, was your only source of satisfaction, that's okay. Exactly. Because well, that's I, was I was scared that is. that was what mine was going to be. Like, yeah. I had well, a trial basis because I was scared that it was not going to work. In fact, before I took time off, I offloaded everything else off my plate. We were using yeah. a meal service. We had a cleaning service. We had offloaded childcare to daycare. We, I mean, like everything. I was in, yeah. I was full mental health crisis. I was full time crisis. I was not thriving at work. I was not thriving at home. I was not thriving as a wife. I was not thriving as a mother. I was not thriving as, as a Shelby. Like I, I was not thriving. Yeah. And then well, my and I- daughter was also not thriving and my husband was also not thriving. And it came down to, if we can't move these mountains, what can we do? And what we could do was stop, reset, get through this time, get her set, try again. And when we try again, it may not work. When we try again, I don't know what to do. But I do know that even if she is not loving her next care situation, we will be able to communicate with her because I can communicate with her right now. I can tell her your nap happens in your bed. The other day I just told her she did not want to take a nap. And I said, it is nap time. We spend nap time in our bed. Yep. Nap time is for beds. And I will see you after nap time. Yeah. I just walked in and I thought she was going to scream and cry at me and she just sat down and she played Itsy Bitsy Spider with herself. I could see her on the monitor. She clapped her hands. She stomped her feet. She, <laughs> she played Itsy Bitsy Spider with herself. And she just like, she has her lovey in there. And she and, and then like 10 minutes later, she just lays down and goes to sleep. And I was like, I text my husband. I said, I cannot even begin to explain to you the weird witchcraft that just happened during that time. <laughs> well, and actually, fun fact, my husband can do that with my son and I can't. And I just really feel... <laughs> Just really feel like that's the perfect explanation of how my son views us. It's very funny because, yeah, uh, my husband could just like put him in his room and go, okay, it's nap time slash quiet time. Um, and the, he'll just like enjoy it, man. And right. Like, and so I, I do. I, I am hopeful that we have reached a level of communication. We have reached a level of her somewhat self-sufficiency or at least mobility where she can, we can go to daycare and she, and we can say, we will be back after nap. Yeah. Well, and I really hope that, I really hope that like people are able to be introspective enough to know if their why doesn't match someone else's and can claim that. Like I have a friend 
whose why is I need to be working. I need that time for my brain to work. I will not be okay if I am not using my degree, using my brain, using my critical thinking. Like I can't just sit there all day and keep a child alive. And I respect that. I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. Because like it's, it's, I, the, the only, well, I don't want to say it this way because it sounds harsh. I'll say it. I'll say it a different way. I will always respect someone's why, someone's motivation, someone's goals more so than an aimless person who's just wandering through life and not bothering. Now, if you're struggling to find what motivates you, that's a completely different conversation. And and that's a completely different mental health state. But I do know some individuals who just kind of wander and then they're like, well, I'm not happy. And it's like, okay, well, what would make you happy? What what do you think happy would look like for you? And they're not really able to even go. And I'm like, well, what have you thought of? What have you ruled out? Um, you know, and I, I see that so often with people that I work with in my career is like, you're always going to feel a little bit more grounded if you know the direction you're trying to walk um and i had a really interesting um conversation with someone the other day and i'm I'm gonna like walk through because like you said there are different stages of parenting and so if you aren't sure if you aren't sure where to start there is a breakdown like in the parenting education world there is a breakdown that we tell people And that is literally like infant to toddlerhood, your entire job is to be the holder of your child's life, like the actual giver of care, caregiver, life holder. You keep your child from dying. Like, that's it. A lot of their other development stuff, like, yes, your child needs interaction. Yes, your child needs support as they grow these developments. But a lot of that is out of your control ask that to any parent whose child walked late (laughs) like it's out of your control you cannot make your child do these things on time then you move into early child um hood and you take a small step back just a tiny one and you're a guardian you're a lifeguard you're the person you're the bumper rails of bowling like i'm just gonna keep you out of the gutter i don't really care how fast or slow you go you're gonna boing around whatever you may knock some pins down you may not but either way i'm gonna keep you out of the gutter Like, that's a big thing. And then, um, you know, and then um, in your early teens, you're the safe base. Like that middle school age, like your whole job, and this can help you find your why because your whole job is to just be a safe base for them to figure out and explore. You're the the developmental stages your child's going through helps you see kind of where your why is at Yeah, your why is a mother maybe this isn't your personal why because personally I would like to be my daughter's end all be all for the rest of her life and she never needs anyone else (laughs) in her life but me and we're gonna be besties for the resties and I can't wait to get to this to the stage that I've already been through, which is the late teens, where you're just a life coach. <laughs> like I just enjoy just, being a life coach. I will be coach. on the couch if you need um, advice. <laughs> and with adulthood, with adulthood, you're just basically a life culture consultant. Like they're gonna call you up and be like, "What do you think about this?" And you'll be like, "Can I give advice?" And their answer is gonna be yes or no, and you have to respect that. And so, like, if you are living within the bounds of those parenting stages and what your child developmentally needs that's a great starting place to really ask yourself what needs to happen next for you. I'm hearing a lot of different things, but one of your whys when you made the decision to step away from your professional goals, which I know was a huge priority for you, even as a parent and as much as you love your child. um, But you recognize like, I have to give care to my daughter. I have to be my daughter's caregiver right now because that is the developmental stage that she is in. And that matches up with my why of getting her to where she can actually communicate and do these things. Like, I I am so sorry. It sounds a little bit like my children are throwing bowling balls. 
Can you hear that at all? No, I can't. Okay. Not on awesome. my end. I'm I am very glad that no one else can hear that. I'm hearing something. I thought it was thundering outside. I saw you take your headphones off and I was like, what what is going on? Yeah, there's but, thunder happening. Yeah, I mean, so what I'm so basically, and this is um extrapolating on a therapy that I've had for the last several years. <laughs> but so people you cannot experience oh my gosh, I'm gonna say this wrong. I hope my therapist okay. doesn't listen to this podcast. Well, Basically, you can't I really you can't anticipate tolerate. happiness and you can't feel past happiness. Happiness only exists in the present. Yes. That's and so, so if you real. don't live in the present, if you don't practice mindfulness, if you don't live in the present, you will not experience happiness. You will see moments yes. that you could have been happy or maybe even moments that you were happy and you will look ahead and try to set up moments where happiness could happen, but then something could also happen to those moments and it might not be happy. Yes, but you, you can only you can only experience happiness in the present. And so part of mindfulness and setting yourself up for those would be, what am I doing right now? Why am I doing it right now? How does this serve my family? Yeah. And how does this serve me as like a bigger portion of my of myself? Because like I I would say that we would need wise for other things like our marriages and our I mean like why am I reading Matthew Perry's biography right now? You know what I mean? Like (laughs) because I am to laugh about. (laughs) Well, it's not laughable. Oh my gosh, it's very serious. But is it really? I just I'm going to cross that off my list. (laughs) Well, it's not laughable because it's about his journey to sobriety and all this oh, difficult wow. stuff and how friends is tied into that and everything like that. And I'm like, why am I so fascinated by this biography? And I think it's just because I've I've always just really appreciated the fact that he's been honest about it. And resilience, yeah. And that I appreciate resilience and I appreciate honesty. And maybe we don't have to look at every decision of our lives and be like, why? But, oh, but no, if you're I spending that- huge amounts of time doing something, maybe you do need to ask why. Yeah, I mean, I think that like if you're questioning something or if you're unhappy with something, the best example of this in my own personal life is I hate preparing meals for my family. <laughs> I everyone in my family knows this. I hate cooking. I hate being in the kitchen. I do. I mean, I'm a normal person. Sometimes I like to go in and be like, I'm going to cook this new recipe I saw on the internet. But like the daily deciding what is needed to feed people, trying to come up with balanced meals. I have two children that have specific health needs. I just got past one that had severe allergic things and we were free of all of these foods. You know, my husband himself has intolerances. I myself have intolerances. Like there's a Venn diagram that looks like a tornado of what can be eaten in my house safely for everyone. And then there's like little dots in there that are like, well, and this is not going to work for everyone. And so on that night, you're preparing two meals. Can't have this if we cook the tomatoes this way. Can't have this if we cook the potatoes that way. Yeah. And then I walk into the grocery store and I'm like, ooh. Well, and then you're going to make double, but you need to remember to freeze it because it's in the refrigerator. Your MCAS will flare and you can't have any, but everyone else can. Like, it's a very specific thing. And so I had to sit down about six months ago, six months ago, and be like, what is behind this? Like, I am so unhappy. Is there a way that I can reframe myself, reframe this for myself using that retrospective of what's really hard about this and then using the anticipation of what can be changed, you know, that that past and that future perspective that you're talking about and really going deep into those things. And what I realized was I can make it a million times easier on myself if I just the day I get home from the grocery store, look at everything we have and plan out meals until the next time I need to go to the grocery store and then mark it on the calendar the next day I need to go to the grocery store. Bam, done. Um, And yeah, that seems like a really simple thing. But when I backed it all up, the why for me was not food related at all. It was time management related for me. Mm-hmm. Was I was feeling so bad about myself and down on myself every time it would roll around to five o'clock and I'd go, oh, I need to go start dinner. And it wouldn't be thawed. 
Like, and I was immediately mad at myself of, oh, now you have to do twice the work and you have to figure this out. And da, 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 da. Um, and so I do think like there's an answer there if you are finding yourself miserable with an aspect of your life or you are finding yourself struggling with an aspect of your life, especially around parenting. You know, what can your what can your goals be? Because another another why for me with feeding my family is that I want a little bit of control over what my kids are getting nutrition wise, because when they're at school, I don't really have that when they're, you know, just snacking away. Like, I don't feel good about that. Like I want to be able to do that right. nutritionally because I know how it impacts their development. And But if you define that, that why and the words adventurous and farm fresh aren't in there, then exactly. you can mix a bunch of food and put it in the freezer. You can, you know, yeah. like, you can make the same foods every Monday through Friday yeah, in the exactly. same order. You know what I mean? Like, like I love to that. cook. I want to instill a love of cooking in my toddler. She loves to cook with me. And so, like, I specifically like to see her cooking with me every night. She likes to do it. It's part of our, like, bonding process is she's always helping yeah, me cook and, dinner. And I no longer enjoy cooking with my individuals that are small because one uh, touches the stove every single time and it's not every single time. It is not the two year old. <laughs> and the two year old fixates on the sink and just wants to play in the sink. And yeah. then we go back to the aforementioned eczema thing. So it's one of those things where it's like one day. It all day, comes back to an eczema flare up. One day we can get into those things. But right now the why for me is I need you to eat this food. I need it off my plate. I need the time management back. Sit down. <laughs> well, yeah, you can, I, I think you that's. Eggs later. Like it's just if you know what your why is. And I, I know we've said this a million times. And I really hope the point's coming across because I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. But I just, if you, if you know where your goals are, if you know where your priorities are, then you can fix something instead of it just being soul sucking for a long period of time. And then when it becomes a problem, you have to deal with it because it's festering. Like if you know what course you're on, course correction is easier. And that comes from learning how to sail a boat with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> because... Because I didn't know. Well, I did. I mean, the truth is, this is actually a very funny story. The truth is, the first time I went out on the sailboat with my husband, first off, the mast fell off. That was not great. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing, and he didn't realize how like nothing I knew. Like he he really anticipated me to have a higher level of knowledge than I did. So by the time we both realized that I did not know what I was doing, we were out in the middle of a lake. And the course correction was going to take two hours and we needed to go back to the children on the shore who were being watched by a responsible adult. <laughs> Don't come for me. But it's like we and then we tried to course correct. And at that point, something snapped and the mast fell off. <laughs> and so then we, oh, had man. To paddle. we had to paddle back to shore. And I spent the entire time thinking if I had just stopped him and said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm feeling nervous about this. You don't understand. You keep what saying, is our yeah, goal? Uh -huh. Well, and just really like even digging into the specifics, if I had really paid attention to myself, because I, I kid you not, I was like, sure. Yeah. You know, he thinks I know this. I can totally do this. I Google it for a second. I got this. I can wing but, it. <laughs> and it's like, I wasn't and being honest of, with myself. Some of sailing, some of motherhood, some of hobbies, sometimes you can wing it. But when oh, you're yeah. overloaded, winging it has a much higher uh, cost to benefit ratio. Like there's a yeah. lot of things that can go wrong if you wing it poorly. Well, and if you start winging it without knowing why you're needing to wing it. So like there's you can let things go if you know what your priorities are. But if you just start letting things go without knowing that, then three days down the line, you're going to be like, we've eaten mac and cheese for every meal for three days. And that's bothering me. And now I feel really No one depressed. has clean clothes. No and one has clean clothes. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm dying here. Like, and, and no. then you have to dig yourself out of a deeper hole. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is if you know where you're going, then you know where to put your foot. 
Like you got the steps laid out. You keep saying that exact phrase in like different analogies and it's getting more amazing each time. (laughs) If you know where you're going, you it's so funny how you say that. Well, but I mean actually I have a better basically knowing your why, knowing your priorities, setting your goals, being mindful. We're these are all ways of saying the same thing. It's just the importance of that actual definition. It's the importance and the impact of defining it. Well, and being fair enough to yourself to take the time to think about it. Being fair enough and treating yourself kindly enough to sit back and think, okay, I can be honest with myself about hating preparing foods for my family. And when I push those negative feelings aside, now we can actually talk about what I'm going to be doing about it instead of bury, 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 because I don't want to talk about not liking making foods because that sounds like I don't care about what my children need. And that care, you know, like the spiral that can happen when you're lying to yourself or try not to acknowledge your real feelings. Do you think that defining your why and setting out like what success would be like defining your why picking you know picking the parameters of what would be successful for your like family for your life for your for your journey as a mother specifically do you think that could help battle mom guilt Oh, 100%. Because at work, like in a professional setting, especially in engineering or any sort of technical field, we set like um, different like quarterly objectives, yearly objectives, weekly objectives, project specific objectives. And so if you don't get XYZ fire put out that popped up, but you do meet your objectives, you are successful. Yeah, I, I, I say yes 100% it may be different for each person how much it alleviates but for me so much because it is easier like I'll tell you right now it is not a priority for me to make sure that I you know that our our grass is mowed in front of our house like it it's fine I know that it's a priority to my husband so either I can start the week knowing hey he mentioned that he wants to mow the lawn I can make it a priority to pull the kids in for an evening so he doesn't have to mow around, you know, kamikaze children um, who just run in front of the mower. (laughs) But also this week specifically, he's been sick. And so I was able to take the kids out with me and we used our little, it's like a self-propelling, we're very privileged to be able to have like a, one of those like battery operated ones. Um, and, and so I was able like to get a push out mower there. that helps you push it. Yes. Yeah. It has like a little self propulsion. Yeah, it's thing just self propelled. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the term. But like, because it was that I was able to push it. I was able to mow the front yard. I didn't do an excellent job. <laughs> it's not, it's not a professional there. grade could, yeah. you know, like out there with out the there. little scissors. <laughs> I always think of the like, the sitcoms where the guy's out there with the scissors making sure every blade of grass is exactly an inch and a half tall or whatever. Yeah. But it, but because I knew that it was his priority and he was going to spend the entire weekend beating himself up about it because we do have some friends coming over tonight to play outside, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, I was able to make that a priority of my own. And I think mm. if you know your priorities and you can communicate them, then you can also ask for help in a way that matters. You know, that is real. And if you, I'm overwhelmed. As if you, as a spouse, know your other person's why, you might understand their triggers as well. Yeah. Because I think my husband does a really, really good job of understanding that for me, our daughter's communication is very, very important. Yeah. And so the days where she is not communicating, or the days that she is screaming and throwing things instead of because she's because <laughs> she's a year and a half old, um, and That's sometimes she just behavior, wrote, sometimes she says milk and she says it very quiet and she says it very sweetly and she says milk please, and then you get her milk and she grabs it by the straw and she flings it at you and throws and screams no milk, 
Oh. And wow. we're just, you know, and then, and, but then and that's when my husband locks eyes with me because he knows if he doesn't lock eyes with me, I'm going to lock eyes with her. And it's going to be a whole Godzilla versus, um, oh gosh, what is God, Godzilla versus King Kong or whatever. Yeah. And it's going to be like a whole thing. And, and the, the house is going to be split in two and it's going to be terrible. King Kong. What did I say? Who's Godzilla and who's King Kong in that situation? I don't even know. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like it's going to be so bad yeah, yeah, if also- he doesn't lock eyes with me in that minute because he knows it's super triggering for me when she chooses to throw something or scream instead of just communicating. Yeah. And that's, that, that is probably right now one of my biggest challenges of, to- of mothering a toddler and it's part of life. It's perfectly developmentally normal. There are yeah. lots of things that you, you know can do. I have read all the books. Yeah, you can know that ahead of time of like, this is age appropriate. So I'm going to recognize that in myself and also recognize that it's triggering for me and then not fall into this weird, what have I done wrong? I'm going to Google a million times why my one and a half year old's yelling at me because it's completely normal and then I'm going to feel really invalidated by the internet. <laughs> like, And my- for him to know that that is my goal and then therefore that is my trigger, for him to be on my side and for him to just go, oh, yeah, okay, that let's do something else. Sometimes he'll even just physically step in and just yes. – and then he'll do the correction and he'll do the the whatever the the milk in the different colored cup was or whatever it was. You know what I mean? And so like I I'm 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 getting pretty excited as we're talking about it because I think defining your why's, defining success, communicating that can also help with both triggers and with mom guilt. Oh yeah, because the other thing is I was sick this week and yet so, so, you know, we did a lot of screen time. We did a lot of mommy's wearing a mask and can't go outside because mommy's going to die from the heat in the mask. Like um, we did a lot of you can't sit on mommy's lap right now because mommy's wearing a mask and you keep trying to pull the mask off and that's not safe for everybody. So you, now you have to be on the ground and now you're mad about it. And it was as simple as like both my husband and my oldest looking at me occasionally and being like, yeah, you're doing a good job. Because you were sick and it was a very obvious goal, not get everyone else sick. Yeah. And my my husband literally said at one point, like, you've done a really good job with the two-year-old. And he was like, overall, like, like he is a very good little boy. And like just hearing that, there was no specifics. There was no, you know, but just knowing that my priority is to raise good humans (laughs) really helped him know how to comfort me in that moment um and so I just I don't know I feel like there is a lot there's a lot around maternal mental health there's a lot of conversation around mom guilt and struggles and whatever but I'm not seeing a lot of conversation around what is your goal as a mother because we think it's defined for us by society. We think it is raise humans that don't grow up and murder other humans. <laughs> like, right. You think it's survive because all you hear about oh, yeah. of, of parenting one. young children is to survive. Yeah. Or or then you hear the opposite one, which is like your children can only eat, you know, full organic and, you know, can't do any of these things and you have to protect your child from the world and, you know, like all of those like kind of different like subsets of motherhood that have these very specific lined out goals um i like i think you know like there's even i I don't know if you watched this at all but i watched part of the duggar documentary and like i have not watched any of it yet very clearly religion defined their why for them and i can almost respect that i mean obviously there's some conversations about child abuse that is not for today but um you know, it's very clear what their goals were in raising their children. And I was like, you know, hey, they they knew it. They communicated. They made a TV show about it. Like the way that they got their message out is not necessarily the problem. I mean, there's issues with everything else. But like it really resonated with me around this conversation that I wanted to have with you is like 
you have to know a little bit about yourself and your priorities and your goals and everything before you can address everything else. So I know like I know I've dug into this a million times. Um, the mental image that I need you to have is that you can't mow your yard if you don't have a plan because yesterday I let my six-year-old mow the yard. I let him be in yeah. charge of where the mower went. You're so heavy in the analogies today. I don't even know. know. Is that truly an analogy? It. No, it's not an analogy. It's a mental picture. I just want you to picture a six-year-old taking off with a lawnmower um, and how- You like, have to know what your property boundaries are before you can mow your yard. That's what you're trying yeah. to say? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yard twice. Oh boy. And I think my neighbor our- makes it very obvious where our property line is. Um, <laughs> very, very kind, retired, older gentleman live next um and his wife live next to us. And I swear he mows like twice a week. Oh yeah, mine does too. I think he just we have I think he just enjoys time. doing it. I've offered before that he could just mow ours too, but he didn't. But he has a little riding lawnmower too. So he's out yeah, there cruising. And he exactly. To Kelly and, all the time. and there's just such a straight line. It's yeah. it's always and no matter if we've just mowed his it's his lawn is shorter. It's shorter. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, okay. So a very, a very analogy heavy. But yeah, I, I think this is my brain exists in such an a great therapy session. Actually, I'd like I to, um, I'd like to charge you for this session. Um, or I guess you, you could can- charge me, and I'll charge you, and we'll come out even. Done. Yes, done. That's basically how we do everything around here. <laughs> fair. That is fair. Well, you're a good mom, and I'm glad that you have spent the last like eight months or however long you've been home, like working on defining your why and working on it. I think it's hard to stick to a goal. And I think it's really shown like the dedication you have to your goals and to your child. So you're a good mom. Thank you. I think you're a great mom and uh, maybe a terrible lawnmower, but obviously a good mom. Although apparently that means nothing to you, as you mentioned earlier. <laughs> it means nothing to me. No. <laughs> Your children are coping well, especially yeah, with the, the lack of strep throat. So Woo-hoo! now I'll have to update if we get strep throat. <laughs> right. Right.